0: Joe Waithin, how are
1: Good you bro, brother? Bro. Good my bro, how are you?
0: What were the repercussions of having that level of fame at that age?
1: I was so terrified of making a decision, any decision, because the decisions that I'd made leading up to that point had all failed. What I want from this phase is to look back at the end of every month and know that I haven't sacrificed any of my being to get to the end of that month, or any of my character, or any of my happiness.
0: G'day and welcome to the potty in which I connect with some of the most influential guests from across Australia and the globe to share their very inspirational stories. I was born with cystic fibrosis, a chronic illness in which I was told would most certainly ruin my life. But like many of the incredible humans that I have on this show, I'm on a mission to prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we choose to respond to them. I'm your host, the captain of the ship and the man in charge, Bradley J. Dryborough, and this is a lot to talk about. Joe Waitford, how are you, brother?
1: Good, my bro. How are you?
0: Yeah, really good. I have to say, we were just talking before probably for half an hour.
1: Just a cheeky 30 minutes,
0: yeah. Little cheeky chat. (laughs) And I have to say, I found myself smiling and I said to you, I know we're going to have a great chat today.
1: 100%.
0: You know, it's funny that so far my relationship with you has been seeing what you do online. And there's a whole story to it, which we'll get into. But it's always fascinating for me Mm. that, you know, who you see and meet online,
1: Mm.
0: you know, you can meet a completely different character in real life. And that's not to say that, your online isn't authentic, but your online's about your art, you know, your
1: music, 100%. your
0: fashion. 100%. Bro, I've just sat down for half an hour and had one of the most thoughtful conversations mm. about love and perspective mm. I've had in a long time. Mm. And so I love that there's a depth to you that I don't think people get to see in the
1: short form. Definitely. No, man. And I think that that has something to do with, I say, I don't want to say it's a fault, but it definitely has something to do with, um, the overarching factor that there's a lot of people that come into play with my, my professionalism online. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a brand, it's an image, um, and there's that 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 main, that requires you know a constant um, upkeep of um, consideration from multiple people that that isn't always me. You know what mm. I mean? And I think that I kind of set that standard. Uh, I don't want to say again. I don't want to say wrong, but there was definitely a better way that I could have done it uh, from the start. Yeah. I think there was always, I always felt dude I started this when I was like 14 you know what I mean mm-hmm. i about to be 25 in a couple of weeks so it's been like 11 years 10 years 11 years um, of oh yeah, having to maintain a social presence and maintain a brand so that um, creativity could flow I think as an artist you know a couple of years ago it was dangerous to be too accessible yeah. and I think that there's also beauty in that that Hmm. it's nice to be able to have conversations in private where people can come to see who you are and I feel like you I feel like uh, you can relate in that sense when you sit and speak with the guests on your podcast and be able to see who hmm. they are but then also in terms of them to be able to see who you are I think there's beauty in, in not necessarily showing everything you know what I mean? not and I truly believe that not everyone has to know who I am truly you know what I mean yes. I think that also And it might sound a little bit self-conceited, but nor does everyone online deserve to. I think Mm. you open up yourself to a world that, and we spoke about this before, doesn't know how to receive who you are. You know what I'm saying? And I've always appreciated reciprocation through the love and energy that I give in everything that I do. So I think it can be dangerous when talking about online presence and being so open, and I respect you and commend you for being so open on your socials, but I think that... In the artist world, in the music world, um, it only gives people to move room to move negatively, and it gives people the space to to speak on things that they don't understand. And yeah, yeah. I think it's, there's a very fine line and a balance when you when you when you cross social media with artistry, but also being true to self. And I try and be as true to self as I can. Like I try not to come across like I care too much on social media I post very infrequently I mean honestly Instagram I could not give a fuck about like I could I give that. I could give two craps about how many likes to get to how many comments I get so I didn't reply to Instagram comments on my, on my post I think also because I've become jaded and desensitised to what social media is and unlike yourself I never started with a platform in which I could share knowledge and information in a positive sense. I was always getting judged and always hated on and always negativity thrown at me. So I think over the last ten years, it's kind of just got me to a point now where it's like, I'll show you what, what, what you need to see and what I feel like. You know, is is a is a accurate representation of who I am, but there's also parts of me that I enjoy protecting. And this 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 com- these conversations are new to me. You know what I'm saying publicly. So I think it would be sure. cool to kind of. Um, change that right and start letting people know who I am or what I do and why I do what I do I think we're moving into a a world now and a time now where talent is everywhere and there's so many beautiful talented people um but like if I want to you know maintain the career that I have like people need to see how and why we as creatives do what we do it's not good enough the final product is no longer good enough as an influencer or as a model or as a musician or as a whatever right like there has to be a reason as to why you do what you do for people to attach themselves to because it's so we have access to everyone you could find another version of of me at surface level you could find another one who has a nice instagram feed who posts cool videos and can sing anywhere in the world yeah hundreds of thousands of them you know what i'm saying so it's now am at the point now where it's like it doesn't matter what people think it doesn't matter i mean it matters but like to the people that have negative or, or bad things to say. It's not for them, you know what I mean? Man,
0: this is a really interesting conversation. And so, it's a very fine line as well, right? Like it's, it's quite... A, it is a very fine line. It's very hard to walk the line between being mm. too in mm. and too far out. Mm-hmm. And what I find to be fascinating is that I believe in many regards vulnerability is something we didn't experience a lot of five years ago
1: mm, mm.
0: and hence it's been highly rewarded mm. on social media For sure. and in art which then also exposes us to this desire to overshare mm. and share on stuff that we really haven't even made our own opinions or minds mm. up on yet because potentially there's an ROI on that mm-hmm. online that crazy, will build, you a, that? Yeah, you, know, build you a following and mm. build you a fan base. Yeah. And so I find myself consistently questioning whether what I'm hearing is authentic or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to, I've never been musically inclined. I played guitar when I was, you know, when I was a young man and one of my good mates, Ben Tambaya, shout out to Benny. We, we went to school together. And we found ourselves every now and then on a weekend, we busk up at Kiraville Village, not because we we're good, but we we're just 16 and wanted some cash. Mm. And um, and somehow on a few occasions made some cash. Even one of my other childhood mates, Reese, played the bongos. Mm. Not because he was good at the bongos, but because he heard we make us some cash. Mm. And so we had a bit of fun with that, but I've never been musically inclined. But I will say, like a lot of people, I love music. Mm. And I love artists that make me think about you know, my life, mm. make me reflect, introspect, encourage me to to think about what I'm experiencing. And I particularly have enjoyed listening to Zane Lowe's podcast, mm. where he speaks to a lot mm. of musicians. One guy I've also enjo- enjoyed listening to is Rick Rubin, mm-hmm. what an insightful awesome guy. guy. I listened to him, um, would have been maybe Saturday evening, Sunday morning, mm. found myself listening to a guest conversation that he'd been a part of. and almost the opening line of the podcast, he was asked his inspiration and motivation to create mm. and whether that involved the audience or not. And he said that almost, well actually, in fact, everything he's ever made has been made selfishly out of a desire to create something that he loves mm. authentically. Mm. And it just so happens to be that a lot of the audience like it too. Mm. And I found that really interesting. And he spoke about how when you create with the audience in mind, you are enticed to be inauthentic.
1: For sure, dude.
0: So I completely get what you mean. And so let's talk about your beginnings in this, because I think mm. that's a fitting place to start. Mm. I often like to recall where I first come across a guest, and I'll say that I can remember being sat on a lounge in one of my family homes, I can't remember which one it was, it was mm. now over 10 years ago, and seeing this, Little teeny bopper pop up on TV who was not too different to to me in age Mm. and just blow away a nation. You Mm. know, you become somewhat a a child star in Australia for Mm. your incredible talent and ability to to move people musically. Mm. And, you know, we got to watch you at a time in which TV was the thing back then. For X Factor, is what families did. We sat down at night and we, you know, we all love music and Mm. entertainment. We got to watch you over the course of, you know, a series of, uh, I guess, maybe like two months, mm-hmm. you know, perform every week and, and hang in there. And, you know, you were third on that season. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it just doesn't, you know, we're in Australia. Australia's a little bit different than the US. We, we hear a lot more of these stories in the US. But, you know, as a, I look back now as a grown man, and I think you don't ever really see these success stories of the young mm. kid who got famous, who handles it all that well. Mm. Like, how did you handle having that That's arguable,
1: <laughs> that's, that arguable. Time? that's arguable. Um, it's interesting that you say that, because, again, right, comes back to the like, public perception of, of, of what was going down, and obviously, I was painted to be, um, yeah, like a young kid that, that love music and, and loved his family. And, and, and that's all true. I, I love music and I love my family. And I think that at that specific time um, in my life, there was no there was no real preconceived ideas of what life could be like because of the path that I was choosing to take. Yeah. I was just having fun, man. Like, it was a dare from a couple of mates. They're like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because the monster skate park was nearby. And they're like, yo, why don't you do it? You're good. Like, just go have a crack. I was like, nah. I went over and told my mum. And mum was like, <laughs> <laughs> good luck <laughs> let me know how you go and I was like oh mom sweet whatever we went and then yeah I think it was like six months later I had a massive ridiculous following on social media and I was going to recognise everywhere I went and life moved and changed so quickly that I never really had time to stop and process what was going on you know what I mean and I think that there was beauty in the ignorance of that mm. I think it allowed me to have very carefree perspective on on what was going on i think it affected me later down the track when you know it became a profession and mm. a job <laughs> i don't really have a concept of, of what that was i never worked a job i've never mm. worked a job i've always been blessed to, to work for myself uh, but yeah at the beginning it was kind of just like oh this is happening like mm. hey can we get a photo yeah sure hey you're playing this show for this ridiculous amount of money yeah sure i never really stopped and was like hang on a second like this isn't normal You know what I'm saying? And the repercussions of this can be really, really dangerous. And there's no one around you that can advise you otherwise because they're all in the exact same boat as you are. It's so interesting that you speak
0: about the naivety, the the blissful ignorance that you have Mm. when you go and partake in a dare, Mm. right? To be a part of what essentially Mm. changes your life forever. Mm. And that's what those young teenage years are supposed Mm. to be about. Mm. You know, your mates dare you to do something that, you know, encourages you to summon a bit of courage Mm. and you know you go and do it and you have fun and you have a laugh and you're back at the skate park with your mates and you're hanging out at the beach on the weekend for a surf and you know you're starting to figure out who you are what interests you Mm. and then the next you know really like 10 or so years Mm. into your early 20s are supposed to be about experiencing life on your terms making mistakes figuring out you know what sets the soul on fire? What mm. doesn't? Mm. You know, Going on dates, doing it in private, mm. falling in love, mm. having your heart broken. All mm. of these, these things are supposed to be experienced by you in your world. Mm. But you're now in a position where the most formative years in your life are going to be experienced with an audience of people mm. telling you what's right and what's wrong. Mm. And it's hard for you to figure out what truly is when you're clouded by all of that. Like, what were the repercussions of having that level of fame at that age?
1: I think probably I missed out on the core fundamentals of what make you a man. You know what I mean? Mm. I think everything had been given to me up to a certain point. I'd never had to wake up at six o'clock and go to a job for someone that I didn't like to work for a goal that, you know, wasn't going to benefit me until 12 months down the track when I'd saved up enough cash to... Whatever, right? Like, we started making money. And we started living a lifestyle that should be earned, mm. quite frankly. You know what I mean? Like, to fully appreciate it, it should be earned. You should, I should have had to have done the, the hard yards and, and really put in the work to appreciate what was going on. And I didn't. So, therefore, I, I didn't know how to appreciate it. It was just normal to me. Mm. It just was. It was, and, and, and I think that, don't get me wrong, throughout the process, I was forever grateful. And I knew that what was going on was amazing, but I didn't know how different it was nor what the long-term effects of that would be. So fast forward six years down the track, ja, the, the, the name Ja Waitford is just a, a, a kid that was once on TV and, and now it's back to, okay, now you got to fight for your relevancy and you've got to fight for your talent and you have to become better and you have to work and, and, mm. and you have to go in the studio and work for hours and hours and hours when you don't want to. That concept of putting in work when I didn't want to was so foreign. So I think that that kind of led to a very lazy, a very um, unmotivated, and a very um, momentary. Uh, yeah, led to momentary views on, on happiness and, and had such highs and lows. You know what I'm saying? Like I would experience these. Oh, someone's booking for a show. Yeah, let's go. There's thousands of people were playing, and now here you know, I have a booked a show for three months, and I'm depressed. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think there was just this constant push and pull of validity, and um, as you mentioned before, right? Like you, you said that your extroverted self—I can't remember exactly what you said—but had something to do with your your search for approval. Mm. I one hundred percent, you know, relate to that. I was just constantly seeking for good job, and you're doing good, and we're proud of you, and we love you. And when I didn't get those things, no matter how great. The achievement was because of all the success that I'd had. It didn't equate to anything in my mind or in my heart, and it wasn't fulfilling. Or was signing ridiculous record deals and traveling the world. And if I didn't, I didn't have that time. I didn't have that support network around me to be like, "Keep going, bro. You're doing a good job." Or We're mm. you know what I'm saying? Like I never had that, so it was just like, "Ugh, am I doing a good job? Am I where I'm supposed to be?" You know what I'm saying? So I, I forever doubted and. And I don't blame my family and my friends for that because it was... We were all in the same boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do we handle this? How, we, we, none of us knew how. There's right? no handbook for that. There's no handbook for that. There's no blueprint. It's not something that I said to my mum. Because she... I think to this day she still holds herself... <laughs> it's funny because... We can go into this further as well, but I think she still holds herself somewhat responsible that. It didn't work how she thought it was going to work then. You know what, mm-hmm. what I mean? We were traveling the world. We were living in LA. We were living in Europe. We were making comfortable living could really do whatever we wanted right and then we came home we fell into debt in the space of six months i had the tax department like 50k <laughs> and mm. it was like holy shit what did we do wrong you know what i mean and i think that yeah she still holds herself somewhat responsible for that but i said to her i was like mama there was no blueprint you know what i mean it was really just you and i and what we had known the world to be and how we were going to operate within that but in completely different circumstances that everyone else around us you know what I mean and I said and she I think one day she'll come to understand it but I think even now still actually I think this last year has probably helped her but one day she'll see that and I know it already now but that she'll see that that period and those struggles and those lessons and those failures were everything that I needed and I I wouldn't change it for the world and I know a lot of people can sometimes blindly say that out of you know trying to find confidence in themselves but I truly believe that I needed everything.
0: You've somewhat answered my next question because what I was going to propose to you was: had it had worked out the way that you pictured it, like mm. had you had gone to LA and mm. the record deals got bigger, mm. and you followed the the path of fame in which someone like a Bieber has, yeah. I, I don't know that you'd be the guy sitting in front of me.
1: And I don't want to. I wouldn't. I don't want to. You know what, if you'd you'd given me me the last 10 years and then offered me that and said, hey, you have two choices, you can be where you are now or you can be who you wanted to be, I would take this every day of the week. And I say that wholeheartedly. I think it's really through my failures and through the hardest times of my life that I've come to be who I am. And I think a lot of people can say that, right, but I've just been a little bit very blessed to... Have certain situations kind of equate to, a, a, yeah, end result in which I felt truly alone. I lived in Africa for a year by myself and felt truly alone. When was that? Where or when? When? I've um, been back for, back for a year. I go back last Christmas.
0: Wow, so this is recent. Mm. Was that a decision to go and be somewhere where you could figure yourself out? Or
1: was it um, something else that motivated that move? No, nah, I had no idea what way it was. Up from down, to be honest. It was just, it was my dad, to be honest. He, um, and it kind of led to a point where I was so terrified of making a decision, any decision, because the decisions that I'd made leading up to that point had all failed. And personally, business-wise, personally, everything had all failed. And I'd just been sat on my ass. I was broke. I was depressed. My dad spoke to me and he said, bro, like, just come. He listened to it, like, he was like mm. just come just get out of there just your whole world around you is, is in shambles right now yeah so just get out of there just for a bit just come for a month chill out chill i got siblings in switzerland who i love to death Who i wanted to spend time with he was like just come be with us mm. we can love you we can look after you um, and we started working on a business plan to uh like e-com um, amazon fba and we put this whole model together and we ordered samples and I did this like 60-hour course in like a freaking week because I had nothing better to do <laughs> and I was just grinding it out and then when the course finished, I thought we were going to you know, launch the product and he was like, nah, he was like, you've proven to yourself that that you can work because I remember I was at a point, going back to what I said before, I just had no idea how to put effort into something if there was no immediate result, you know what I mean? If it didn't equate to a, pay, a paycheck after I'd done what I was doing, mm. which is what I've been so used to, it wasn't worth it my dad said to me he was like work on this it might not work you're not going to get anything out of it but just work on this. show me Mm. show me that and i didn't i wasn't passionate about it i didn't care about it but it was just i wanted to prove to myself that i could sit down and put energy and focus and looking back on it now it was nothing it was such a small gesture right but just the simple i suppose ideology of yeah sitting down committing myself to something that i didn't know was going to work and then I did that, and he was like, Do you want to go to Africa? And I was like, i always wanted to go to Africa. And he was like, Yeah. He was like, Where would you want to go? I don't know. had no money, had nothing. I was like, Just, thought he was just asking me questions. And like two minutes later, he was like, All right, you leave next week. What the fuck? you mean going to leave next week? He's like, You're going to Africa? Look, where am I going? I don't know. I asked you where you want to go. So I booked Ghana. And I was like, Holy shit. I was like, I don't I was terrified, to be honest with you. I, was, I had no idea. I couldn't even leave the house in Switzerland at this point. I was terrified to go and catch the train and go into Zurich City. Let alone go to another country. Where
0: did that fear come from? What was it that you were fearing?
1: Uh, I think, again, right? like I was just, I'd, I'd come up with this, this idea that I was incapable of making good choices. Mm. And I think what stemmed from that was just the fear of making any choice. You know what I mean? I was so scared of... And it was really sad, right? But I was just in a position where I was like, if I choose to do something, it's going to fuck up. And I'm going to get hurt.
0: You know, it's funny. You mentioned to me before that um, you've enjoyed listening to Jordan Peterson's work. love Jordan Peterson. One thing that he says is, you can be foolish to think that not making a decision is not making a decision. Mm, 100%. <laughs> you know, I think he it. It comes on. with
1: consequences. Yeah, and he touches on it. He says uh, along the same lines where he says... Uh, running from something is accepting that it's bigger than you mm. and that was something that, that at that period of my life i really needed to understand you know what i'm saying the running from this fear and this fear of making decisions is accepting that the ability to even make a decision is bigger than who i am and that's not me i still had i st- still had i didn't want to lose I'm very competitive person mm. and at this point in my life i was losing but I still had the urge to be better and I wanted to I wanted to win and I wanted to prove to myself and to my dad and to my family and to everyone that I left behind in Australia that I would be okay so, so yeah I took off to Africa and, and life just life just life bro. I had no plan mm. I had no plan at all I really just went over there and um, the first place I went to was Ghana Stayed in a little place called Kumasi, which is like the second largest city in Ghana outside of Accra. Um, I learned the language.
0: Uh, One of my best mates is Ghanaese. Ah, beautiful country. Yeah, Joey Plum.
1: Yeah, well, beautiful country. Cool people. I did a bunch of countries in Africa, but Ghana was cool. Um, and then yeah, I was working in a, an orphanage. So I worked in an orphanage for like six weeks. So I went out there and stayed in a house. And, It was funny, so we, we get to this house and like everything's all fenced up and it's, it's gated because it's quite a dangerous uh, country and areas, or well the area was dangerous for the country. Um, and there's, as soon as I walk in, there's a bunch of people, same color as me, doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, right? And I just felt this instant sense of, like I'm around people that are disconnected from the outside world, that are trying to find something more than themselves then on the other side of that was none of these people know who I am nor probably do they care so I was having this battle of waking up every morning just struggling to breathe man I just felt like I was, I was so consumed by my world in Australia and the, what I'd just come from that I, I was terrified to think about it or speak about it or communicate it with anyone and then I kind of came to realise over a couple of weeks that um uh, they were all really, really beautiful people and really cool people and they were all there for their own purpose, right? Some of them were there, I came to learn for their own self-fulfillment to make themselves, uh, you know, feel like, and it was very evident just to feel good about what they were doing. Like when you really broke down the causes of why they were there and I'd sit with them and I'd speak with them, I came to realise, I was like, damn, there's some of you that are just here to to say that you've been here. Mm. (laughs) That was sad. But then there was also some people that were there that were so selfless and, Mm. and, adopted kids and delivered babies and and had no interest in medical, but then went and worked in a hospital and now starting to be a doctor and deliver children in countries that don't have the aid to do so. Um, And it really opened up my world in a way in which I was able to really come to understand who I was around people who didn't know who I was. You know what I mean? Like in Australia, I kind of found that most of my life, wherever I went and wherever I I chose to go. People kind of already had heard about me or had heard something or knew my music or.
0: Hmm.
1: And I found that building relationships with people was really hard. It was like, ugh, you already have this preconceived idea of who you think I am. So to be in a, in a group of people that had no idea was just the best. And I was like, you're loving me based off of what you see yeah. and what I give you. And I think it really gave me the opportunity to relearn who I was.
0: I have to ask because I'm trying to figure it out in my head as you speak. Mm. This fear of failure. Mm. Do you think that you would wrongly define failure or wrongly define success? What was that the product of?
1: Probably a bit of both, bro. Uh, Yeah, I would say probably a bit of both. I think success is is very personal. I think you you define Mm. your own version of success, what that means. For some, success is... Being a billionaire and being alone, but having money. Some success is being poor, but being surrounded by beautiful people and people that love them. So I think that we really define that. I personally didn't know what that was to me, what that meant. But I also had known that what I was experiencing there, no level of success had ever equaled. know what i mean like the the people that i was helping that i was speaking to and and coming to understand and just listen to speak in the communities that i was in no amount of success had ever made me feel the way that that made me feel so i think that was one of the first things i realized kind of clicked Hence the reason why i stayed so long um and the fear of failure i think i had the blinders on man and like i was looking At a balcony that was consumed by weeds, mm. and looking at that balcony like this, right, and it was really that trip that allowed me to kind of trim away those weeds and see what <laughs> was yeah. actually on display. Um, and I think that those weeds were kind of my, my were my fears and my failures and everything that I kind of done in the last twelve months. And I wasn't I wasn't the best person, man. I wasn't. I was in a horrible place. I was smoking heaps of weed, I was smoking mm. like an outer a week. Um, doing drugs almost every weekend in a toxic guys relationship Um, madly in love but still nonetheless in a toxic relationship I didn't really have a moral compass yet you know Mm. what I
0: mean you know it's interesting because that analogy you just shared of Mm. you know trimming the weeds away Mm. chopping the weeds away whatever you'd like to call it I've had a similar analogy that has helped me understand why I have the view on what I want from my life now Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think that Well, so I think that when you're, you spoke about when you're right in front of those weeds and you can't see anything clearly, Yeah. you know, you can't see anything. All you can see is just fuzz and mess and the problems that you're in. And I think for me, like over the last year, really like, not the last three months, but particularly the nine months year that come before that, Mm. financially I was so broken Mm. and at times I've been so like mentally broken Mm and have felt so stressed by my situation that I almost needed to like strip myself back and take 10 steps backwards to be able to see like the mm. wider perspective mm. and figure out where I'm going. Mm. Like mm. when you're so in it mm. and you just, you feel like you're underwater, you feel like you're drowning. Mm. Like you just need to get out for a minute, mm. man. Like put your feet down, stand up, get out of yeah. the pool. It's not that deep. Yeah, for sure. You know, and sure. and like for me, that distance has mm. given me perspective. Mm. And I would even say that, you were speaking about how this really made a man out of you. Mm. For me, like the, I needed the challenges of the last year mm. to figure out what success actually meant to mm. me. Because mm. I had this, I come from the most beautiful family mm. who gave my sister and I such an abundance of love. Mm. I've never once, and this is such a privilege, I've never once woke up in the morning and not felt loved. Mm. Like, I know that there's people who love me and I'm very grateful for that. Mm. But I got to a point in my career where I was pursuing financial success so hard that, and this was when I was in real estate, that I forgot that I have to look after my health. Mm. I have to do things that make me happy. Meaning and fulfillment is a you know hugely important part of how mm. I define success and I didn't understand that at the time. Mm. And so I had to hit and mental rock bottom Mm. and walk away from it to realise what was important to me. Mm. But then I fell into the trap of I thought money was the devil Mm. (laughs) because it made me feel like the pursuit of it had made me feel like I lost so much of myself that I forgot to make some money at all. Mm. I had to sell my home, I went broke again Mm. and then I had to find myself in a place where I was like, all right, right now all I have is love and people I care about. And, you know, the obvious necessities of a roof over my head and, and some food on the table and, yeah. you know, I'm lucky enough that my health's in a good place. And so what I'm trying to acquire, now I understand what's actually true to me. Yeah. And, you know, for me that gave me so much clarity in moving forward this year into a place where I'm now defining success so differently. Because I think I've been a victim of, you know, defining success and how I compared it to that of other people. Yeah. I know, like, your industry is, is ripe with that. Mm. You know, we're both in the entertainment industry, mm. essentially, mm. where, you know, you've only got to scroll for five minutes online and you can see how successful people seem to be. Mm. It's not a full picture of how they're actually handling life mm. or how they feel, mm. whether they're fulfilled at all or, mm. or happy. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah, I think uh, it's a skill to, to understand how to. And I've always encouraged this, right? I think, like, every man and, and every every woman should should take time to understand where they're at first before looking to anyone else you know what I'm saying Mm. I think a lot of people do it the opposite way around where they look to other people to see where they should be Mm. you know what I'm saying but I think the first step is yeah really like breaking down where you're at who you are uh, what means the most what doesn't mean anything and then kind of building your future and, and what you see for yourself around that and then it's I think it's okay to look to other people to be inspired for sure you know what I'm saying but I think if you don't have a clear understanding of what that means for yourself, that becomes comparison. Mm. It's very hard to find inspiration in that, or if or if there is inspiration in that, I believe it comes from the wrong place. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that you know, especially when you're, if you, if you're at a point in your life where you know your professionalism almost comes on par with with who you want to be as a person, I think you should treat those with equal respect but also i think they kind of go hand in hand in the sense that i've always found that when i'm good within myself my business is good you know what i'm saying yeah um but not the other way around (laughs) (laughs) so i think that yeah i always try and before any business venture before any opportunity and my first question am i going to be happy you know what i mean Mm. and if there's if that's quite a broad question, right? Like, am I gonna be happy? But I think that if, if you can overall assess and break down what that opportunity entails and what it looks like for you over the next six months, okay, cool, it might be a bit stressful, but I'm capable of managing this stress. Um, it's actually gonna be super stressful and I'm not capable of managing these so Just breaking those things down to understand where it could lead you, I think is, for me personally, bring brings so much more security into moving into those things I'm now no longer afraid of making decisions mm. I can make them wholeheartedly knowing calculating to the best of my ability you know how that's going to play out but also being open to the fact that maybe it doesn't play out like that but I think that yeah having the overall sense of, of understanding that all comes from having the overall sense of understanding where you are and who you are first you know what I'm saying I,
0: I completely agree I, I've watched this monk I know he's famous because I've seen him I've seen him speak on so many different interviews mm-hmm. before and, and clips of him on different stages.
1: Um, What's his name? I think I might not even talking to him. Oh,
0: bro, I don't, I was gonna say he's got a bald head, but he does they all do. I know, no, but he does. That was gonna be the
1: first thing <laughs> I said, the bald one, but I was, I was but he's quite skinny and like narrow, yeah, right? Quite, I think that's really
0: there's, there's a, very stoic and confident,
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: There's a, like tone. There's a very confident tone in the way that he Super, speaks. Super like
1: philosophical. Yes. It's like you know what you're saying because it resonates in the deepest parts 100%. of the soul. I know exactly and what you're talking about. He's very monotone. He I he's... Not monotone. I wouldn't say monotone but very, very calm. Very he's like,
0: very you know, calm. Yeah, yeah. It, I seen him speaking the other day and there's something that he said that really stood out to me. He said...
1: Did you see that? Sorry, I just went to Google Yeah, to the wrong part of the cup. Very <laughs> good.
0: Um He said that we have fooled ourselves to think that everything is 100% good. He said, mm. life is yin and yang. It is good and bad, it is right and wrong. It is part breathe in, part breathe out. Mm. It is part success and part failure. Mm. He said, and it's almost always 50%. Mm. He said something along those lines. And for me, it was very refreshing to hear mm. because I, I identify in myself that whilst I don't seem to think that I fear failure, mm. There's a part of me that clings on, especially in in this professional world, Mm. to this idea that it's got to all work out perfectly. Mm. Like that this has to grow to be the biggest podcast in Australia in the next couple of years, Mm. or like, have I done it wrong? Did I Mm. miss something? Mm. And then there's part of me that remembers, well, the reason I do this is not because... I think it needs to like be hugely successful Mm. financially but for me personally I I get the most joy out of speaking to you today Mm. and I'm like and we've tried to make this happen for a little while now ages right Mm. and like the funny thing is that like I'm sitting here right now going this worked out the most perfect way it possibly Mm. could have because I don't know that like every day is different. Mm. I feel like we're having this conversation today. This day, yeah, sure. And this could have been a completely different conversation sure. had we've had it two months ago when we we're both a little bit more stressed 100%. or, you know. But I, but I love that idea that mm. like, it doesn't all have to work out mm. the way that you envision it working out in your head to and teach how, you what it needs to teach how you. How recently
1: are you coming into that, that like that mindset of, of, uh, of becoming at peace with that?
0: One of the best things I ever heard was a friend of mine and a really successful guy who I look up to in this space in Australia, Dylan Buckley. Mm-hmm. Dylan Friends, a podcast. Dill had me on his show um, basically because I was knocking down the door to get on there. And uh, we created a great friendship. And whilst I don't speak to Dylan every week or every month, our, our conversations are quite sporadic. I know that we both catch little bits of each other's work. And I listened to one of his conversations the other day. And he spoke about how he used to want to be like Rogan, which I I get, man, because there's a huge part of, you know, there's a huge ambition in me to do great at whatever I do. Mm. And I think a lot of that is healthy. Um, But I'm learning to walk the line between ambition and appreciation. And this Mm. is what he spoke about, that he recognises now as a fairly new dad, that he's in a position right now where he's built a company. It's called Producee, it's like a production house. Where he's got this network of people who have all got shows on his platform and he's like i hope one day that all of their shows are bigger than mine because ultimately like i love the conversations i'm having at the moment it's very fulfilling but i can also go away for a couple of weeks with my wife and my son Mm. and have the best time Mm. and i kind of like in that scene something that really spoke to me that success is the full picture of the pie chart 100%. not just one 100%. because I know that what I hugely desire and dream about every day is I cannot man I, when I tell you this I, I say it with such conviction I cannot wait until Soph and I are married watching a couple kids play sport on Saturday enjoying a coffee in the sun I can't wait for that because sure. that's what I loved about my childhood. Sure. And I'm like, I can't wait to be like the footy dad yeah, or the ballet, yeah. like the ballet dad or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That's you what know? I said
1: before. Like you said that that's your success, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, and you know like, what I mean, I think like that 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 the ability to see the whole picture, I think, will, will, eventually, to you get in there. So you let know me know I mean. ask you this. Sorry, I have one more question yeah, based off based off of, of, I the I you know, So I asked you. Uh, like how recently you'd come into uh, understanding that that failure is just you know a, a part of what we do, and there's beauty in that, right? Mm. And, and the whole yin yang concept. Do you ever feel, or have you ever felt, like there's a, there's, there's a time in your life in which you've welcomed failure? Mm. Because and I ask you this because I think that in the last six months I've, I've come to realize that it's in those times it's in the failures where I become just a little bit more of who I am and the successes you know you come, you come to appreciate your failures right but I feel like it's very you know the deeper more fundamental stuff of what makes me who I am has always come from my hardships. I come to appreciate it when I' when I'm doing well and I ask you because I think that over the last sort of six months, I've, I've now gained the ability to be able to stand in those storms and welcome them with open arms, knowing that it's going to be hard and that it's probably going to suck. And I might cry a little bit, but mm. I know that as a man, I'm capable of learning what I have to learn in that period of time. And that because it's happening, there's something that I need to learn.
0: So, so let me answer this in the most honest way that I can. Mm. And there's maybe a bit of my ego that doesn't like to admit this. So... I would say that I completely agree with you that the greatest lessons and the greatest insight I have gained as to what's important to me, mm. what fulfills me, what I'm passionate about, like who I am that's answered that question has come from my greatest hardship and adversity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like having lived with CF for 27 years, mm. hardship teaches mm. you something. Mm. However, you ask me, have I learned to welcome that? And I'm thinking back right now, in all honesty, outside of today, actually, funnily enough, is the three-year anniversary of my first ever marathon that I ran with bleeding lungs for CF. Holy that man. was the only time, and, and i say this out of truth, mm. the only time in the last couple of years that I can remember setting my sights on something and knowing that I very well might fail in the process of trying mm. to achieve it. And maybe for me that identifies a desire to be comfortable or maybe just to stroke my ego a little bit too much.
1: It could be both, right? But I think that your situation is very, especially that situation, running a marathon, that level of medical condition, it's a huge decision and huge, a decision. huge commitment and I think a massive I, I think that even if there is a sense of ego involved in that decision mm. I don't think it's a bad I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't see all ego and a lot of people disagree I don't see all ego as being truly negative I think when you can conceptualise what an ego is and the negative sides of it and, and kind of Harness its ability to drive you mm. in situations like that, and I believe it's a negative sense of ego. I think that I think that because also your ego is something that you, you determine for you. I mean, for me personally, my ego is something that I determine uh, for myself. It's never been about what other people think. Mm. It's never been about maybe it's something that I prove to myself, maybe my level because I can be cocky sometimes, man. Like I can be, I'm so competitive in the sense that
0: I, I feel yeah
1: <laughs> that that like you know if if you know there's a, there's an absolute gun sprinter and he's got a, a ridiculous time with a hundred meter spin i'll try and beat him yeah and in that moment in time i believe that there's a chance i could that's <laughs> bullshit you know what yeah. i mean but i think that when you're when you're aware of that and the negative sides to that because it's definitely negatives that can, mm. that can set you up for failure being aware of that but then still letting that to have a crack and have a shot i think there's positives in in that in that situation but but you're looking at me like. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely <laughs> okay. agree. Okay.
0: Because I think that ego gets a bad rap. I think that vanity gets a bad rap. Mm. And whilst there are, like you said, negatives that come from them, I believe the negatives to be when you're not self aware enough to know that they're exactly. controlling you. Exactly. Um, but I think there's so many positives. 100%. Because sometimes blind self belief is all you have. 100%. Now it's, it's funny recently, I am, so I do a bit of keynote speaking. Mm-hmm. The first thing I speak about on stage is how- a bit of what? Keynote speaking. Keynote speaking? Yeah, so like I speak on stages at with, conferences and- Just with notes or like- No, no, So it's just basically what okay. they call a motivational speaker is a word. Okay. I don't know that I love the word motivational because I think motivation is very fleeting, right? Um, so I don't know if I like that Wait, word.
1: Why do, why do you think the motivation is very fleeting?
0: Well, I think that if you're if you relying on motivation- mm you'll do very little yeah, 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 for I very agree. short periods of time. I agree. I've you know, seen,
1: I've heard, and it's funny, I have a perspective on on religion, but we can touch on that.
0: So yeah, that. so we will touch on that because yeah. I think that's an interesting conversation, yeah. but I think I attribute a lot of my success to discipline, mm. belief, resilience, perspective, purpose, mm. right? And when I'm on stage, I talk about self-belief, mm. resilience, perspective, and purpose. Mm. And so when I talk about self-belief, I talk about and listeners of the show will have heard this so I'll kind of brush over it Um, but my first ever doctor when I was just a couple months old told my parents that I'd be better off with a terminal illness that would kill me or Mm. I'd miraculously recover from Mm. because CF would ruin my life Mm. and they stood up and said you'll never see us or our son again and walked out of the room and they found a doctor who had a really positive and optimistic view of Mm. my future Mm. and I think about that and I'm like that was all wrapped up in hope Mm. and somewhat delusional belief Mm. because there was no evidence Mm. and I've heard um, Stephen Bartlett and um, Chris Williamson talk about how belief is evidence belief is based on evidence but I think sometimes belief has to be delusional man because the antidote to hopelessness is hope
1: yeah but I think I think I think delusion I think I don't think it's the right word. I think the ability to believe, you know what I mean? It's important. It's so important. I don't think that makes you delusional. Because I always, and, like, and I think like in, and in your situation, it's a testament, right? Like crazier things have happened. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I think that's such a beautiful mindset to to carry in life. And it doesn't work for everyone. But I think that when you can be in the darkest, deepest hole and still stand there and be like, I'm going to be okay I think it ca- it, it, it translates and and carries s- so much further than a negative defeat 100% would you know what I'm saying and, I'm, and it sounds maybe it sounds a little bit easy for me to say or or or, or, or whatnot but I, I truly believe that like that level of positivity and self confidence self belief even in times when it's not warranted mm. is necessary well,
0: here's the thing. So, belief is a self fulfilling prophecy, mm. right? Mm. In the sense that what you believe dictates how you behave, mm. and how you behave often dictates your outcomes, and your outcomes often then reinforce beliefs, mm. right? And so, the thing That's is if cool. you believe positive things, you act in a positive and optimistic manner. Mm. And then, hopefully, the outcome is great. The outcome yeah. is uncontrollable, right? Mm. Um, but then, I can assure you one thing Mm. that like whilst I can't assure you that the outcome will be great if you believe positive things and act Mm. in a positive way, what I can assure you is that if you believe negative things and then your behavior dictates that of a negative belief, Mm. like, well, fuck, what's the point? I'm not even going to try because it's not going to happen for me. Mm. It'll never happen. Mm. Like, you know, there's that old saying, the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both right. Mm. Mm. (laughs) And so it's like, you may as well be positive about it. You mm. may as well think that it's there for you. Mm. You may as well believe that you know you can be a great podcaster mm. because if you didn't, you'd probably never start.
1: Yeah, for sure. And for so, sure. but I think that's a massive battle for some people.
0: Massive barrier. Huge. And and like you said before, you know we spoke about this off off cam. You can kind of understand that because some people come from some harsh conditions. Mm. But I always challenge the first belief. Mm like my parents had no reason mm. or no evidence to believe that my life would be anything but another sad statistic mm. because they decided to be positive mm. here i am
1: mm.
0: and that has been the story of my life man mm. i'm i'm maybe it's funny like i believe that one it day reflecting
1: you so clearly as well i like, appreciate I see, that I see, I that's see, a great like, compliment everything that you do right? like there's a i think there's a level in our eyes I yearn for that. There's a level of appreciation Huge and point. gratefulness in you that I think only your experiences and what you've been through can can op- can teach you T- to to the level that I see in you. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I'm very appreciative as well, but like you light up, man. Like you're yeah. just like you're so. Yeah. Like, as soon as I saw you, I was like, holy shit! I was like, damn! I just instantly felt like comfortable. Yeah, I appreciate and, that. You know what I mean? And I think that that's like a testament to how you've also come to conceptualize and understand what you've been through because you could have, you could have also easily gone your parents may have come to the table and, and, and been supportive and loving and, and whatnot. but I've seen cases in which that doesn't work you still make a decision not to be that yeah. you know what I'm saying so that's a massive testament to you to be able to stand here as a man speaking to us and know that like there's so many active decisions that you've made along the way along with, I, I, I can see that you're very grateful for your parents but solely you know within you as your own man i could see that i appreciate that's that so because
0: cool, that's a huge compliment like that's for me maybe one of the most nice compliments i can receive for sure i think you but know? it's it's and i have
1: to carry that man like
0: for sure and, and, I, and you
1: i can see that like you yeah
0: well i just think that
1: i want to meet your girlfriend bro. Bro, you that. Have, yeah you, you blow me away to. but i want to meet you want to see her. you, honestly, you like,
0: have to man she's the best and and for me yeah. there's a you know, it's, it's crazy, man. So I'll tell you something. So talk about this appreciation. Mm. I know we're getting a little bit off track. I mm. promise to the listeners, we'll get back to you in a minute. Sorry. We were sitting there the other night and she was just showing me a random video. I'm an, bro, I'm an emotional cat. Mm. It doesn't take much for me You're to a shed crier? a tear. Okay, cool. Cri- bro, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a crier. Yeah. I'm a lover. Oh. I'm, a, I'm a laugher. Oh. I'm an emotional, emotional guy. Yeah. Like I respond to everything yeah. quite openly, you know. And, and, and I believe I have been my whole life. Mm. And it's maybe because I have, like you said, the level of appreciation mm. that you know, shit means stuff mm. to me. And so we were sitting on the lounge just over there the other day, and she's randomly just watching a video of this, um, this girl showing her partner that you know, they're having a baby. And she's got the little baby clothes mm. lying out on the bed, you know, the photo of the ultrasound and you know, the positive pregnancy test. And he walks in and he's just like in disbelief, so happy.
1: Yeah.
0: Bro, I'm fucking Balling. bawling my eyes out, <laughs> right? Because I'm like, I, I never thought that I'd get the opportunity. Yeah. I had this limiting belief for the yeah, longest wow. time that I'd never fall in love with someone I create, could create a family with. Wow. That someone wouldn't believe in my future the mm. way that I did. Mm. And so I'm sitting next to the person I love, mm. talking about that, watching someone else experience mm. that. Mate, I'm crying my eyes out. Mm. Because that's, that's all I want, mm. right? And so I am the most emotional person because I appreciate life so much and every experience so much. And I believe that's what, you know, like death is this very taboo topic. But I think we have to understand and think about death differently to which we do. Of course, it's a sad experience, but I'm so fearful of losing the people I love. Mm. But that's why I love them mm. so heavily. Like, that's why I love them so much mm. is because I know that life is fragile. Mm. And so, like, my experience has taught me that. Mm. You know? But let's get back to you for a minute. That's
1: beautiful. You know, though, bro. Say that, I appreciate beautiful. that. Wait, can I just say one thing on yeah. that? I think that that's such a... I think, like, you speak... I think that it should, it should be known that, that being emotional is, is a blessing, man. Like, I, I think it's mm. the, to be able to feel... Like what greater gift is there in life to be able to truly feel? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Imagine being hardened to the world, or mm. to all emotions, or and and sometimes people's lives take them down a journey where they they haven't felt like they've had a choice and they end up that way, right? But I think to be in a position now where you feel so deeply is the biggest blessing.
0: It's a great, it's a great driving force. One
1: hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. I wish I could feel more sometimes. I feel like sometimes I'm jaded by my experiences and. And hence the reason why I can understand how people become hardened to it. But I'm actively making a decision to 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 try and, and take everything, you know what I mean? And mm. and take it on board. And I think there's I found a good balance between able to be between being emotional and logical. I think I've had, I will say that I have a good uh, compass on, on on what that balance looks like for me yeah. and, and you know, how to maintain a, a peaceful mind. Mm. while feeling what I'm supposed to feel. But yeah I, just, yeah, I just wanted to say that I think that it's a, a huge blessing.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. Mm. So let's talk about, it sounds like to me, Ghana and mm. this this trip, this mm. time away, like mm. this opportunity to disconnect from all of the pain that you felt, mm. which so much of it seems like was attached to the environment that you were in. For sure. You know, you go to Ghana, you travel, it's almost like the revival It's the time in which you get to figure out who you are. You get to ground yourself. But then you make a decision to come home. Mm. How do you come home and stay true to the path that you've now discovered?
1: Um, I think just through the people that I met, man, and, like, the experiences that I got to experience. So it was, like, it was in the first two weeks I was being there. So I was working at the orphanage and um, pretty much, like, the sisters that worked there were just horrible to us, like, had no time had no love had no um they didn't see that that we were fit to to be there and i think their perspective on why we were there was all about us and making ourselves feel better and and i, I understand why they came to see that and mm. it because a lot of the people that were there do like we walk into the orphanage and and you know like uh, we go and wake the babies up and change their nappies and there's like 160 kids between like three rooms and it's mm. jam-packed and 80 over 80 percent of them are disabled so it's like a, a very like intense heavy um job and yeah they were just being like really 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 like cold and shut off towards us throwing out you know the baby's food and plates at us and not at us but down to us like not giving them to us throwing our aprons at us not talking to us, laughing at us speaking in tweet and and <laughs> a lot of the volunteers that were there were only going to be there for like a week or two weeks and, and that was it right they would leave but I knew I was going to be there for longer than that so I'm like yo I've got to get to the bottom of this man like if I'm going to be here like I need to just try and understand what's going on so that I can choose how I go about yeah. you know being here and how I can fit the role here best to match suit them they've been here their whole lives mm. like there's obviously something going on <laughs> like yeah. they're not the ones at fault here so I, I said to the rest of the house that was split up in two there was a medical division and like a uh like the rest of us were working in the orphanage and i said to those six sisters working at the orphanage, i said to the medical kids i was like hey i was like can um can six of you come and fill in for the sisters like i want to take them out and just try and get to know them a bit better so it was like a zoo down the road they agreed to it um so it was like a zoo down the road and we went and bought like a box of beers and some kfc and i took them on a minibus to the zoo and we walked around It was a horrible zoo <laughs> it was like three animals and they were chained to <laughs> Trees and poles and stuff, and I was like, This sucks. This is horrible. It's yeah. it really sad. Um, but they had a good time. Like They loved it. It was just out yeah. of the They work seven days a week, so they never get breaks. For sure. Um, so we, yeah, we went to the zoo, and at the end of it, we're sitting down, and we all had a beer, and we're chilling around and talking. And they speak very good English. And I said to them, I said, Look, I was like, Forgive me for my ignorance, but I'm trying to understand why you don't like us. And mm. she laughed. She was like, <laughs> And she said, She was like, You white people come, and you love our kids and our kids love you. You feel so good about this and then you leave and nothing changes. And I was like, <sighs> I was like, holy shit, I was like, we're really not doing anything here to help. I so said, we're just, we're teaching these kids that that when someone comes and loves them, they leave. Because they do. We, you know, you go into the orphanage and you pick one or two kids and you favorite them. Like it's it's human, you know, you, you become mm. attached to those kids and you look after them and you baby and you only change their nappies and you feed them and you and you look after them and, and build this really special bond with them and put a lot of time into them. And then once your period is done there you leave. They have no idea what's happened. All they know is that someone's come into their life, they've loved them and they've left. And you set this really bad um, idea of what love is for them. And the sisters know this, right? And I asked them, I was like, so I said, so look, are we helping? And she said, if you're gonna adopt, of course. She said, if not, it's better you don't show up. So I stopped going to the orphanage. And it was like, I think I stopped going for like four days. And then every afternoon I would get back from the orphanage and they would come into to me. And there was this one girl, she was a Canadian chick. And she'd just make it a part of her day to like let everyone know that I hadn't shown up to the placement. Oh, Jai stayed home again. It's day two, she'd come home first thing. Oh, Jai stayed home again. Day three, oh, Jai paid a thousand bucks to come here and do nothing and just sit on the couch and work on his laptop. He could have stayed at home to do. I'd never said anything to her, right? And then on the last night, we sat down at dinner and she made a toast and she was like, Can we just speak about why Jai stopped coming to placement? Like, I just want to understand what's going on. I was like, We can speak about it. I said, But like, to be honest, i felt that, like, what I had come to understand through speaking with the sisters was for me I said but now this moment has kind to show me that maybe it's time to sh- just to shed a little bit of light and I said have you ever thought about the idea that you know when we go in and everyone understood because we're in the same boat when we go in and we pick one child and we, we favoritize that child all day every day for you know a few weeks that they become attached to us I'm like yeah of course and I was like and you know hands up here who, who has a plan to adopt one and no one put their hands up I was like okay I said so like can we please just maybe take the time to consider that all we're doing is teaching these kids bad habits in love. Now when someone comes and loves us, they leave. I said, imagine. They said, because we're not going to be the first to do this. So when we leave, someone will replace us. And they'll do the same thing. I said, psychologically, what does that do for a child? I said, so I think we should really, really think about, you know, what we're doing here. And then that night, there was this little building next to, like, the house we are staying in, and it was only half constructed, but there was a window on all sides of the wall. And I would go up there every night, and I would pray, and, and... every direction i looked in i could see these little red flashing lights and all the, the the power lights like they're just but the gun is very very flat and for as far as the eye could see i could just see these towers and i've realized i was like i'm all alone because no one in that conversation and really understood me or understood what i was trying to get at there was a lot of they had their own ideas of what they were doing there and they didn't want to accept that maybe that's what was going on even after me speaking directly to the source of what was going on and that broke me a little bit i felt a little bit out of place and I remember I called my dad and I was crying. And I said to him, I was like, Dad, I've come here to help people. And I realized that I'm just making the problem worse. And he's like, Are you okay? And I was like, Not really. And he said to me, He was like, Look around you. Are you okay? And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I am actually. I'm fine. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm fine. And then he hung up on the phone and that was it. And I kind of think after that moment, I was kind of, that kind of set the, the precedent of I'm going to be okay. And maybe this isn't about helping people. Maybe this is about planting seeds that I'll never see grow. Maybe this is just about being true to myself and traveling and meeting and, and and helping where at first I see fit and then coming to learn that it's not actually helping. But I'll find something else to do. And that's what I did, right? I spent the next nine months just traveling around, working in schools. We built a school. Um, we raised money to build a school there. We started like a little like side hustle tourism company where I was like going around and and um selling like weekend trips to all these people in hostels and whatnot and it just really opened up my eyes to the world that I lived in so that in turn and back to the question that you asked coming home how did I stand by the you know the things that I'd learned there it was through those experiences and it was through meeting those people and truly coming to love them I stayed for a minimum of six weeks in each country that I went to so I had to build my own world and build my own yeah little safe space around me and and come to know the lady that worked at the grocery store the guy at the gym and and the people in the hostel mm. that you know what i'm saying and it was through becoming genuine friends with these people and sitting down and hearing their stories that upon arrival back home i had to do everything in my power to become better in myself and work as hard at that as i could or else i was letting these people down because they will never have the opportunity that i have to do so professionally personally like the things that we're exposed to in australia and through the internet a lot of these kids don't even have the internet they've never been on instagram never been on google they've got books and and stories that's all and i think that it, it it was beautiful in the sense that they come to understand who they are within their world but in the world outside it's very limited to them so i think when i got home i was just like for these kids and for these people who i truly fell in love with i need to do everything in my power to better myself professionally personally and make the most of the opportunity that they will never have and that was it right and I stand by that
0: man there's something you said there you had to plant seeds that you'd maybe not see grow Mm. and there's a quote that I'll likely butcher here but it's something along the lines of the future of humanity is dependent on men who will plant trees that they'll never enjoy the shade of
1: yeah I think that's beautiful
0: you know and and I think that's a real testament to purpose. Mm. Like purpose being the act of doing something in service
1: of others. Mm. And that was, I think that was probably the... the, the it, that's what my dad told me that. And that's what helped me find comfort in... And, and in, in the lot bigger picture is not seeing results to something mm. instantly. Why do you work for results? I think that he said to me, he was like, you, you are touching people... In ways that you may not see the benefits of or reap the rewards for yourself, but it's not mm. about you. And I think that that really kind of restructured the way that I thought about purpose and working towards something. What if it's not about me? What if I just do what's 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 what feels right at the time? Mm. What if there is no goal for it? I mean, what if sorry? What if there is no reward for it for me? Maybe there is whatever, right? But like, stop working or stop acting to receive something in return mm. and it changed my whole perspective on yeah then we went and built a school and then we went and just started, just started donating money to people and 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 it, it opened my whole world and my whole travels up I was just like holy heck now it's fine I'm not acting to see you become better I'm not acting so you can come and give me a hug and thank me for it mm. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do and I think that I was so much more fulfilled by that and now I still speak to. Them. I've got some of these guys on WhatsApp. So a lot of the guys in Africa have SIM cards, but they don't have phones. Okay. And what they'll do is, is they'll wait to find someone has a phone, and they'll plug their SIM card in, and they just gonna ramp it. <laughs> yo 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 That's yo, great. what's up? What's up? So sometimes every once in a blue moon, I'll get a phone call or a text message from these guys. Yeah. Hey, hi brother, and I'm like, yo, what's up, man? How you doing? That's great. How are the hikes there? I just, yeah, man, I could share some crazy stories with you. It's a long conversation, but.
0: So tell me right now that looks like there's many things happening in your life. Mm. What do you really want from this period? Like if you look at you said that you're 25 in a couple mm. of weeks. Yeah. This is a very very formative time of your life. It mm. feels like your career is coming back into flow mm. in in many regards. Like mm-hmm. I know you're doing some acting at the moment. Yeah. You know, there's music coming soon. Yeah. You know, you're a fucking fashionista and you know head to toe like you're you're a cool cat man, you're a handsome cat. <laughs> this thing's happening for you Thank you, bro. like like what do you want right now from this period
1: of your life again we spoke about it before right? like i i think i just want to be happy man i know it's so broad and it's like such a kind of cliche thing to say but i've, I've i believe i've experienced enough of success in my eyes to know that there's no amount that is worth peace of mind and happiness. There's none. Mm. there's none. There's really none. I believe there's phases in life when you can be calculated as to um, taking stress on board. And sometimes that stress is necessary you know, to achieve the goals that you want. But setting the standard of what those goals are and how you can achieve them, I think that your peace of mind and happiness should always be at the forefront. Because I believe that some people get to where they want to be but they're not where they want to be mm. by the time they get there. They're not surrounded by the people that love them. Maybe they've lost a part of themselves along the way, but they've got the car, they've got the mansion, they've got the job, but there's no one around them. Yeah. Or they're not happy, or they've hardened themselves to a part that they once cherished. So I think being calculated in the sense that the goals that you want are equally as important as how you get them. Mm. So I think now I'm just... What I want from this phase is to look back at the end of every month, and know that I haven't sacrificed any of my being to get to the end of that month, or any of my character, or any of my happiness. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not where I want to be, you know, as as a goal or in terms success, but I'm happy, it's fine. You know what I mean? But I, if I, I know for a fact that if I get there and I'm not happy, I'll kick myself. But I won't let that happen. I won't let that happen. I know I won't let that happen. I'm I, I'm blessed to say that I have the enough self-awareness to know when i'm slipping in and out of of what's going on Mm. and i got a beautiful girlfriend bro and she she grounds me so much
0: maybe we'll have to do a double i would love
1: to bro shake on that right now i would love to that would be beautiful that'd be great because i feel like we'd
0: have a really good time
1: for sure for sure and she's young man she's coming in she's really and it's beautiful for me because i get to watch it she's only 21 but she's coming to see the world in ways that I know she hasn't done before, I don't know whether it's something to do with me or, or, or just what we're doing together, but I see her mind shift and change, and I see her find peace in things that she once stressed over. She came to me the other day and she was like, "Oh, like this girl reached out to me, and I just don't know if I'm happy with how the way things ended. I don't know if that's something that I wanna, you know, put." time and energy into about six months ago felt the need to entertain everyone that came to the table and Mm. had to be this version of herself that was accepted and and whatnot and she just was like I don't know if I and I was just like it's small right but like for me to be able to witness that in her is one of the most rewarding things as a partner to see them grow and change and shape to become who you know sometimes they can be before they know I don't know if you feel the same for your girl but it's like I see this version of, of my girlfriend that I would never Uh, I would never force or never like, how do I say it? Groom to become. Mm. But I know she's capable of it if that's what she wants for herself. I like that. You know what I'm saying? And now to see her become that version is so fulfilling. And sometimes it's just a simple conversation where it's, hey baby, maybe you don't need that. Have you thought about right, rah, rah. Well, what mm. do you think about just putting questions to her and seeing her conceptualize them in her own way and come to her own conclusions? Mm. I think is so attractive <laughs> and beautiful. Yeah. Like to be able to witness it in, in someone that you love, so cool.
0: Incredibly cool. Mm. Like I reflect on Sophie and I've been together thirteen months today, mm. and man, we're one of the couples that celebrate month on month. Mm. Right? Well. How exciting <laughs> is that? Yeah. <laughs> so wow. cool. And. You know, it's funny for me that we spoke about this the other day. I have I've had a lot of growth in the last couple of years of my life. The last mm. couple of years of my life have taught me a lot. Mm. But none more than the last 13 months. Mm. Having a partner has I have grown so much. And thankfully she can say the same for herself. Mm. And one of the things I wrote in the card that I wrote her on our our anniversary for our one year was the joy for me has been in loving her and seeing, like loving her and making her feel safe to Mm. be exactly who she is. Who she wants to
1: be, yeah. I've I've seen, I saw someone speak on that and it hit me so hard. mm. And I think that goes both ways, right? Like also knowing that you are in a space where you can be who you know you can be.
0: To find that peace. Right, right. You you spoke about this before off camera, which is part of the reason I knew we were going to have a great conversation you said that for you a lot of your philosophy around love Mm. was in being the man that could provide that for your partner Mm. like talk to me about that philosophy
1: i think it's it it, yeah it really stems from again going back two years ago and being scared of accepting responsibility to now being in a position where i pride myself on responsibility um And sort of knowing that I can be proud of the version that I am, but but more importantly, who I want to be because of of what somebody else inspires. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't find, especially in a relationship, in love, I think that that's something that you should really yearn for is, is who do I, I want to be? One, for myself, but two, as, as your man and as, as, mm-hmm. as your boyfriend and how can I help you and how can I nurture you so that you feel as i said before comfortable and free to be who you want to be i think that that is the most beautiful thing life was meant to be shared you know what i mean we'll create i believe we were created to share it was we were never meant to be in complete solitude no i think that that a relationship and a good and a healthy relationship is something that more people our age should find pride in i think it's become cool to to <laughs> It's become cool almost not to be. I think the ones that yeah, it sounds it might and it might sound a bit discriminative, but I think the ones that have, have, have figured out, you know, who they are and what's important to them are, are longing for a relationship, right? And the ones that aren't are in the clubs fucking around on a weekend and, and, and just trying to get with as many as they can, like I think that someone needs to set a stigma where it's like, yo, like this is this you know what I mean? Like this is the new it. I think that the world and, and our generation will be so much happier. And so much more certain with themselves that they had someone to share with
0: once you find that right person mm-hmm. it is and and i find this to be an interesting conversation because i've had the privilege of this year speaking in a lot of high schools mm-hmm. and i speak to a lot of a lot of kids who are like love 16 18. Speak, but i'll invite you next Please. time i'm doing something Please. and i found myself feeling this sense of obligation being compelled to have a conversation particularly because one of the things that's really shocked me and I was in disbelief of this year, is the stats around domestic, sexual and emotional violence Mm. against women. Mm. I couldn't believe that one in three women report being physically, emotionally or sexually abused. Like, to me, I I was just like, I can't believe that. And then Soph said to me well, you can't believe that because you look around at your group of mates mm. and none of them are those kind of men.
1: Mm.
0: You, she's like, you exist in a very unordinary but beautiful group of people. Mm. And, and part That's of that crazy, is though. because of you know the fact that I know who I am, what I want mm. for my life. Mm. So I'm very grateful to have that group of men around me. Mm. But I know that not everyone does. Mm. And so I found myself after that conversation and having spoken to a lot of people about this the last couple months and and how grim some of these stats are that a lot of women don't feel safe mm. in relationships mm. and you know that upsets me as a as a son as a brother i'm very lucky that my sister's with a with a great man mm. and has been for six years and so yeah. she's got a beautiful relationship i'm very lucky that i get to be that guy for so you know, I found myself at this school recently and talking to a group of year 12 students. So they're 17, 18, maybe some of them are 16 if they're you know, punching above their weight academically. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there in front of this group and there's a hundred of them. And at the end of my 45 minutes to an hour, sharing my story, um, I said, I'll stick around for a while if anyone's got questions. And the teacher said, oh, we'd love that. So I stood at the front of the room, every one of the kids got up and come to the front. and It's funny, the guys are always a little bit cooler and Mm. and slower to move than the girls, right? Mm. So the girls will come in the front, start asking me about where I grew up and, you know, what kind of, I spoke about how there was a lot of insecurity in me Mm. at their age and, you know, I used to have quite bad acne and Mm. they'll come up and ask what my skincare routine was. (laughs) And I'm like, just the stuff at Woolies, like, Mm. don't ask me. Mm. Like, I'm not the guy to speak to about (laughs) this stuff. And so we have quite a funny conversation and then they leave and all the guys approach. And all the guys start asking me at first like the very surface level questions about mm. you know would you interview this person who's the most interesting person you've spoken to mm. you know it's a fun conversation but then eventually someone breaks the ice and asks something a little bit deeper and then they asked me about soph and i just immediately felt compelled to say something deeper about the subject mm. and i was like let me tell you boys your age right now your mates will tell you don't be a sim you don't want to fall in love you don't want a partner I was like the one decision to fall in love with a girl who has changed my life is arguably the single greatest decision I've Mm, ever made mm. and I felt compelled to talk about Mm. not only the power of love but the responsibility of it Mm. and how you have a responsibility to make that safe for someone
1: and it's so cool that like that you have the ability to be able to inspire not only through words but through who you are and who people see you to be you know what i mean like
0: Mm.
1: i think yeah i think you're gonna do amazing things bro
0: i appreciate that brother
1: and i think that even back to what we said right about the planting seeds that you may not see, girl i think your life is going to be full of that Mm. and i think that i hope so there'll be something i think already dude like i think there's so many people that you've touched that maybe you you may never know right Mm. but i think that that the and I'm sure you already do, but like the sooner you conceptualize what that means and and how many people you have the potential to affect and to change, mm. the better, man. Like, bro, we need to <laughs> need to start getting in front of some, some crowds and in front of some people. I'm gonna share the shit out of this for sure. I appreciate that, bro. That means a lot. 100, dude. I've 100%, seen enough. it's so cool. So much stigma around people speaking, man. And I think that like you mm. really you really set a, a great example of. Of what a man should be and how he should talk and be open. It's cool, bro. Man, I see that in you
0: too. Th- and that's why I've enjoyed this so much, yeah. For you sure. Know?
1: This has been fun. But there's a reason why the guys come up to you at the end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they didn't receive you, they would not They go to class. Mm. Right, but there's a reason why they will come up to you and they sit you down mm. and, and they ask you the questions. You have a gift, bro. And I, appreciate I believe that's meant to be shared.
0: I'm excited, bro! i'm excited to watch it. happens, man. It's right. gonna be cool. It's gonna be so cool. It, it is gonna be very cool, man. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Uh, I say rapid fire, but I want you to have the space to give honest answers. Okay. They're written here. Give me, give me one second.
1: Scary. There with me. This is really hard for me as well. I have really bad ADD, so like I find myself in conversation. Um, my brain operates faster than my mouth does so I'll be explaining something and I'm like the, the ten, it's relevant and I always try and wrap it up but like something more important comes in so it would be funny to listen back to this and see how we, how we did
0: probably right, well I have a compliment for you at the end of the show which I think will ease your nerves okay so bear with me <laughs> so is there a personal challenge that you'd wish you'd had addressed earlier in your life
1: yes I think some things A lot of things um, as a man uh, are sometimes meant to be learnt on our own and if not other people get hurt Mm. and I wish that I I had the awareness to be able to see that and to be able to listen sometimes sometimes I didn't listen sometimes I needed to make the mistake myself to be able to see why it was wrong. And sometimes I wish I had the ability just to listen to the people around me and trust the people around me to know that, you know, it wasn't the right decision so that other people didn't get have, to, have to get hurt. There's so many points I look back on in my life where the lesson was for me, but other people got involved mm. and they didn't have to be. And I'm sure that, you know, they learned something else for it within themselves. But yeah, there's a few times I look back on it and I'm like, I could have just been more of a man and listened and been more open, and other people wouldn't have had to get hurt. I think that's probably the number one. And well, now,
0: that's a beautifully honest answer, <laughs> and it and it makes me think that part of, and I, I would agree with this, part of what defines a man is taking responsibility.
1: For sure, for sure, one hundred percent. I think it's probably, I think one of the most important characteristics that an honorable man can have is responsibility i think Mm -hmm. to be able to look in any situation look internally first before projecting anything what am i doing in this situation how can i be better why is she why is he reacting to me like this what have i done maybe to Mm -hmm. to think and how do i go about this first before even engaging in in, in the other party or the other side of the the story is hugely important a lot of people are so a lot of men I think it's like kind of a bit of like toxic masculinity around being so quick to point the finger at other people, especially like smarter men. I find I know a fair few smart guys that are smart but lack <laughs> lack self awareness and lack the ability to accept responsibility.
0: Well, I like to call it not toxic masculinity but undeveloped masculinity.
1: Undeveloped masculinity. That's I think, better. Yeah. Toxicity. is, truly is a bad word. Yeah. You
0: take responsibility yeah, of that. Yeah. Question number two. Is, what is the greatest lesson we've mm. spoken about this that failure has afforded you?
1: The greatest lesson that failure has afforded me resilience. I think overall like resilience to bounce back like and now as I said before right like I'm comfortable I can sometimes I can see you know and you can just see that that storm on the horizon you know what I mean and sometimes you're looking at it and sometimes you want to run mm. but you know it's inevitable and it's coming. Now, instead of running, I'm able to stand and plant my feet and prepare, mm. can knuckle down. I love that. You know what I mean? And I'm able to, it's like, know, I know I'm gonna be okay. It might suck, but I've been to the bottom of my world, maybe not as low as yours, but in, in, in relativity, but I've been to the bottom of mine to know that I'm gonna be okay. You know what I mean? And I can stand there and I can weather it and I welcome it because mm. I know that at the end I come out and I'm a bit, I'm a bit thicker. <laughs> And I've got the confidence now. The clouds are moving on. I love that, oh, okay. brother. Mm.
0: I love that. Beautifully said. What can we expect to see from you in, you know, these
1: coming months, Dude. this coming year? To be honest with you, man, like, contractually, I, I, it sucks. because It's yeah. such an open conversation. And I would love to just, like, fucking tell you. I can tell you off mic, but, yeah. but um, I can't say much at all, man. But we're filming, yeah, we're filming a, a TV show. Um, I've got an album coming. And... That's all I can really say. Do we
0: know when the album's coming? Can you contractually give us rough dates? No. Okay.
1: Nah. I, I did
0: see something on your Instagram four days ago about 5am in London. Is that the title of a track?
1: So that's just, I got a track coming out with, um, his name Zach. He's actually one of my business partners in another venture that we have. Um, in Dubai, he is a producer, a gun mm. prodigy of Australia. I, I believe, um, uh, Nah, he is. <laughs> and he just wanted, like, he wanted to get a vocal in the track and we worked together and we made a song and he had, like, a really, like, sad situation happen with him and his girlfriend where pretty much they were dating for six months and she jumped on a plane and left and didn't tell him. And call, right. called him when she was in London. Yeah. And told him, hey, I didn't want to tell you what was happening but I just thought it was easy if I just left. Wow. Well, <laughs> I don't know, Heavy. Man. Yeah, and he was, he was heartbroken so he wrote a song about her. And... I think there's a part of him that yeah, it's kind of sad there's a part of him that is putting the song out to kind of get back at her but there's a part of him that i know it also really resonates with yeah But it's he's young, man. He's, he's such a he's a good dude he's genuinely has such a big heart uh, i feel like he struggles to communicate it sometimes um but i'm excited he's one of those friends that i'm truly excited to see where that relationship goes for the both of us
0: mm. well. Unfortunate for your mate, but I'm really looking forward to hearing some new music. <laughs> yeah, um, that one's pretty. You.
1: That one's pretty like pop. It's not really, jazzy food orientated. So, what is your style now? What it's would you like, define it as? It's quite like down tempo, like R and B. It gives me trap, like trap soul. Like
0: I kind of get that you're like, are you a big Bryson Tiller fan? Yeah, massive. Yeah, I kind of got that because I've heard you share a few of his tracks, and I get that that style is very similar to yours it definitely
1: resonates in the album like it's definitely it's definitely there like party next door Bryce Until like in the weekend mm. i would say probably like any anyone that i've shared that album with so far has said that like it's kind of a cool mix of all two yeah.
0: um but i've spent some sad days driving around in my car listening to party next door for and sure and dude. <laughs> for sure so in it's melbourne
1: like, <laughs> for sure that's, that's maybe a funny thing to touch on Is that like When listening to, to music Maybe that was on an old playlist Or on a sad playlist mm. And it no longer affects you The way that it used to Yeah I think For me personally Like I think that's Kind of like A good testament to The fact that I've dealt with Whatever You've grown Yeah you've grown right Like sometimes yeah. I listen back to music And I'm like Damn I used to sit and cry crowded this shit Now I'm just like Man, man, man. Yeah. Just singing along with it Like it's nothing You know what I mean I think it's I think <laughs>
0: Free, you know, it's funny. I don't even know if the music spoke to me, but somewhat the sound spoke to me It made mm. me feel something that I, I was telling Soph this the other day. I yeah, went I through a period,
1: vulgar, yeah, I,
0: well, I, went, I went through a period, I reckon I would have been maybe early 20s. Oh, I was probably like 22 mm. and I'd come back from Melbourne just trying to find what made me feel fulfilled, like loving mm. family, loving people in my life but mentally just felt like something wasn't right and yeah. i wouldn't say i was i wasn't depressed i just i just knew that i wasn't like life wasn't landing right mm. and i needed to change something something was taking a part of me away from myself mm. and man i used to like walk around the streets at night and listen to kings of leon mm. <laughs> just blaring yeah, bro well. in the darkness i'd walk around yeah. and i'd just stare at the, the stars Stair, the whole yeah. time and it was just like, I don't know what I'm feeling but right was, now, yeah. but it's not right. Mm. And um, it's funny because now I can look back on that and go, man, I found my way. Yeah, it's I cool, right?
1: I think, like, I think it's it's also super important to reflect. For sure. One uh, of those times, I think it kind of really... And I think I learned that professionally, right? Like, I was always striving for what was next. Mm. Now, which is J. Cole thing where he's like, I was always focused on what was next. That, like, I'd get there and... and I never appreciated like the moment that I was in and like what if that was the biggest that I ever became? And I was just always yeah. looking like to what was next, right? And I think it kind of, I learned that at a young age, it kind of forced me to stop and slow down. And I'm grateful for where I'm at and get to the next thing and look back and that was cool. Uh, up to a certain point, like I think I was probably maybe like 21, which I was like probably the lowest in my professional career, but like just a little goal started fulfilling mm. and started being like- For grateful sure. Grateful for this, thank you, you know what I mean? And, But yeah, I think that without that ability to reflect on those things, it can be hard to fully conceptualize or really even just conceptualize it all where you're at. You know what I mean? Like You have to understand where you've come from. It's very important.
0: I have one last question for you. Go. The name of the show is A Lot To Talk About. Yeah. And that's because I believe in the power of diverse story and diverse conversation. Mm -hmm. If you could encourage the audience to start one conversation within their circles, their communities, Mm their families within the, the groups of people that they love, mm. what would that conversation be? Mm.
1: Um, I'm trying to like overarch I think something to do around gratitude
0: mm. I
1: don't think it's quite specific to everyone but I think it's such a uh, an important part of a positive like the overarching it's very yeah I think when you can be grateful for the little things and for for what you have currently um, so much stems from that More blessings, more, Mm. more gratitude, more opportunities. I feel like when you can be grateful for what you already have, um, yeah. I'm just asking, you know, what are you grateful for today? Because I met kids, you know, it comes from my personal experience of meeting people that (laughs) have no reason to be grateful, but still are. Still, I mean, I think that in a in a world and in a country, you know that most of us are blessed to live in if we're listening to this podcast um, and have the ability to listen to this podcast. You know, what are you grateful for? I think it's just a good...
0: It's a great place to start. Great place to start, yeah. Great, great place, great to, place start. to start. Mm. Brother, I have to say, and this is my closing gratitude to you, I have to say that I, I did not know what to expect from today's conversation mm. because there was... There was an intrigue, there was a curiosity that I had when um, I come across you for the first time in a long time. Mm. And it was mutual friend of the show and in life, Anya, that you I know, seen him out, and share something with you at some form of event. And I just thought, what's happening in that guy's world now? Mm. And there was just some curiosity. Mm. I was like, I want to have a chat with this guy. I want to share a conversation and, and share in story. And I've not stopped smiling from the moment that you walked in. Same moment. And we've sat down and we've chatted and I will go as far as saying, and I don't know if I've ever said this on the show, that this is the like my favorite conversation I've ever had on this platform.
1: Holy shit. That's cool, man.
0: For a few reasons. Mm. Because it's surprised me. Mm. It's There's so much more depth to you mm. than I've ever known, I think. Than what maybe the audience has ever known and, mm. and you shared your reasons mm. behind you know sometimes holding that depth close to mm. your chest um but for me the most important reason is man i see a beautiful human in you, thank you who's gonna have a profound effect on not only the people in your life but the people in your world and for mm. me that's a privilege to be able to share that thank you. on a platform that means a lot to me so thank, thank you for you having
1: me bro Shout out. thank you my for pleasure grateful to be here honestly my pleasure, man. This is Cheers. new as well. Thank you, man.
0: I appreciate it. But we're going to be good friends. What's we're going to be great friends. 100%. We're going to be great
1: friends.
0: 100%. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It means the world that you guys are in my corner, that you continue to listen to the show every week. And if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it, that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows the bigger the guests we get on the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys the listeners the viewers of the show before i go i want to pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast the aboriginal culture has such a rich history and storytelling and as a passionate storyteller i really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.